book has four uh, four factors or four things to create an atmosphere for miracles. Well, we'd be crazy. We'd be dumb as a rock to say, oh, we can do that without that. So we can't. we got to know what it takes because you will need a miracle in your life. And then beyond that, you will need to bring a miracle to somebody. Your testimony of having a miracle will be the door that opens up to somebody else getting a miracle. And you, it's not somebody else. It's not John G. Lake. He is D-E-A-D. He is gone. He is not here. And uh, it's you. It's me. It's us. We are the new or the, the now uh, 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 dispensers of the supernatural. So I have to ask you, like I did before, what is the greatest thing in your life right now? What is you like, oh, I need a boat, or I need a camper, or I need a lake place, or I need a, a new car, or whatever. Oh, yeah, well, that's always going to be there. That's always, they're always going to have a new something or another that we could go do. But I think that everybody in here wants to perform in the supernatural. And I say perform loosely. I mean to be used of God. I want to be used of God. I, there's nothing going on that I say, ah, that's not, that's highly overrated, that used to God business. Let's go to the lake. No, I want to be used of God. I know you do too. There's nothing like it because that's who we are on the inside. That's, that's, that is the nucleus. That's the essence of who you are is to greater works than he did for us to do. The works he does and greater works, that's what you and I want to do. And so when we gather together, whether it's just me and Garland or me and Kathleen and Lawrence or me and Madison, just, just whoever we are, when we gather two or three, there's the, 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 uh, the, the ingredients for the miraculous. Two or three gathered in his name. He's in the midst of us. And right there, it's like anything that walks up or anything that he quickens us to, we were empowered. The switch is on. The the motor is running. The it's in D. <laughs> Pull it down to D. And we're gonna drive, and uh, so we got to be aware of that. The first thing we looked at th uh, uh, two weeks ago is obedience. That whatsoever he saith to you, do it. It's not like well, there's a formula here. It's in my notebook. I'll go home and get my notebook. No, it's whatever he says to you. That's what you do, and that's what produces miracles. You just got to do it. And in that little book, you know, you read the story about uh, 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 a man in India that God said, uh, get up and run out. And he did, and he said, keep running, and he ran out in the country. And he said, what, Lord, what? What am I doing out here? And he said, uh, and he stopped under a tree, and the Lord, the Holy Ghost said, start preaching. Well, Lord, it's just, it's night, and it's out here, and there's nobody, and he just started preaching. And then he, when he got through, he kind of gave an invitation for the nobodies that were there, and he heard a sound, and he looked up in the tree, and there was a man up there. And, uh, and the conversation went on, and uh, the man said, I, I want this God that you're talking about. And he said, well, what are you doing out here? He said, I came out here to hang myself. Obedience being at the right place at the right time, not having to have a rationale, not having to have a, a, a reason for what we do, but just obeying. And then last week we looked at faith and desperation, where, where we are desperate not to get ourselves involved. To, we're, we're so desperate to just stop and listen and wait and trust and let God do it His way. 
we get desperate to say, not me, to stop and let him and involve him. That's a miracle ingredient to, to not let your life be the one that always has to be responsible, but to believe a miracle. And this morning, I want to talk about the third ingredient in that little book, which is preaching Christ. So in Romans chapter 15, preaching Christ is an, is an, is a, uh, is an ingredient to creating an atmosphere for miracles. In chapter 15, in verse 18, we looked at this last week. It says, Paul says, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Here it is through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and round unto Illyricum and round, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Let's say that last sentence together. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Well, right there, you can just assume that if he's telling you to fully preach the gospel of Christ, that you could preach it at some other dimension. You could not fully preach. You could just preach. Ah, let me just speculate here that maybe many denominational churches or whatever spirit-filled, rhema, word of faith, whatever, are preaching less than the full gospel of Christ. And here in this verse, he talks about, right in the same sentence, mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. That is the fullness of Christ. That is what he's implying there, the full gospel of fully preaching the gospel of God, of Christ. So it's not enough to just have a sermon. Well, amen, brother. Well, that's good. Yeah, okay, got that. Yeah, got some notes and got, got the tape. That's not the full gospel. That's not fully preaching the gospel. Are y'all here? Amen. So we, we cannot say, well, we're full gospel. No, full gospel means signs, wonders, miracles, demonstrations, move of God, the working of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, the, the waiting on God, the stirring of the waters, the, 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 the Pentecostal experience where we reach into the Spirit and we hear and we know more than knowledge, more than information, more than a good stirring up message where the preacher got lathered up and was spitting and carrying on and, you know, waving like a windmill, just carrying on. Well, that was a good message. Well, unless there's the supernatural, you haven't fully preached the gospel of Christ. And that's, that's what we're after. Now, I can tell you not everybody's after that. And that's part of the dynamic here is we're in a cultural storm right now where this has become controversial. But it's not controversial to me. I believe it. And I'm not willing to sell out for people that don't believe it. So uh, look, look with me in Acts chapter 1. Fully preach the gospel of Christ. Acts chapter 1. Now you know this little section of Scripture is going to talk to us about fully preaching the gospel. 
Let's look in verse... Uh, there's just no place to jump in, so we'll just start at verse 1. Now, this is, this is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it'll say the Acts of the Apostles or something, but it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And it says, uh, uh, Luke wrote this, and he said, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Now, right there, you just got to know if he began to do and teach, who's going to finish it? Well, it's us. It's the church. It's the church that's going to finish what the Lord Jesus started. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also... He showed himself alive after his passion, after his crucifixion, by many infallible proofs, undeniable demonstrations that it was him and that he had been raised from the dead, being seen of them 40 days. You can look this up in Corinthians, 500 people, 500 people saw and experienced and witnessed these infallible proofs. Now, it is interesting that only 120 of them made it to the upper room. A fourth of them made it, even though they saw a resurrected Christ and saw him with infallible demonstrations and proofs. Only a fourth of them made it to the upper room. Uh, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In verse 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. So he told all 500, apparently. I mean, we can't know for sure, but it, it implies that, that he, he told everybody that saw him, that listened to him, every time he ministered to them in his resurrected body, in his new body, wait for the promise of the Father, which I saith him, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So they could wait for that. It wasn't like, well, you know, someday, some way. He said, not many days. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel to Israel? So they missed it, didn't they? There, the, the, he said one thing, and, and in their frame of reference, in their culture, in their mindset, they heard it another way. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but ye, pay no attention to that other, but pay attention to this, but ye shall receive power. You know the word there, dunamis. Miracle working power. That is what the word means in the Greek. Miracle working power. Ye shall receive miracle working power. When? After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. So it's not enough just to be born again and have him in you. He can also, in a greater dimension, come on you. That's what we do when we say... The presence of the Lord is here. Well, of course he's here. He's in me. He's in Lawrence. He's in Garland. He's in all of us. 
Truly, he is. Never leaves us or forsakes us. He's in us. He's a witness in us. But he also has a manifest and tangible presence of his coming when he comes upon us. It's called the anointing. It's called the presence. He comes upon us. So ye shall receive this miracle working power after, after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. It's like clothing. That's what it's like, a cloak that comes on you. And what will happen? Okay, Lord, we'll get this. What will happen? Ye shall be witnesses unto me, unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Well, we could go on, and it would be wonderful, but, uh, well, you know, here we have it. The, the promise that when the Holy Ghost is poured out, and we could go back to Joel chapter 2, and we could look at how God prophesied in the Old Testament how uh, the, the Holy Ghost would be poured out on all men. He said here it's happening, and Peter talks about that in chapter, chapter well, right after that. <laughs> in Acts chapter 2 or 3, he talks about this is that, prophesied by Joel. So it happened. And so now we found one thing. We can deduce one thing out of this. It doesn't, it's, it's not something that comes and goes. We have all been hardwired for signs and wonders. It's, it's, it's like a kit you get where you just, you go in and you rip out stuff that's not quite up to speed and you wire in a new high-powered generator, dynamo, whatever. And now we are, we are electric, as it were, in the Holy Ghost and at will. At will. Well, Lord, do you want to do something? You know, I'm waiting to hear. No, at will, we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. At will, we can cast out devils and they will leave. At will, we're hardwired. It's in us now. When you're sleeping, when you're reading, when you're playing Parcheesi, when you're, you know, eating pizza till you're big as, you know, you just, it, you're, you're hardwired to operate in the power of God. Now, we're talking about preaching Christ here. And so, uh, uh, we go up to verse 3. He said, you'll be witnesses. Verse 3 says, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Okay, right there we have the definition of witness. You're going to show him as he showed him, by infallible proofs. Not like, well, you'll feel better in six days. Well, I'd have feel better in six days if you didn't lay hands on me, if you didn't come and you didn't. No, this thing that's on you is leaving, and it'll be verifiable. This muscular dystrophy, this cerebral palsy, this whatever that's, that's on you, it'll be infallible proofs that the Lord Jesus loves you and has given men power over the devil. Dominion. What about this word witnesses? I, I, let's see where I... 
The word is martus. Martus in the Greek. And you know what that word means? <laughs> it blew me away. I was shocked when I looked it up. It, it's the word martyr. It means a judicial witness. So we, you know, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God? Now you, Mr. Professional Witness, according to your testimony and according to your expertise as an expert in this courtroom, do you now testify that based on your experience and your uh, uh, training that this is, is what's been presented is, is the truth? I mean, that's a judicial witness. He said, I do. I, I, infallible proofs. They were all infallible. And so that's your testimony, Mr. Expert Witness. Yes, it is. That's what this witness is. It's not just like, well, it could have been, or it might have been, or should have been. No, expert witness, infallible proof. I am a witness. Well, we're going to cross-examine you. It doesn't matter. It's an infallible proof, and I can come to it. It also means a record. So a witness files a record. This is what happened. Jesus appeared. Uh, he'd been on the earth for 14 days. When I saw him, they said he'd been, they, the first one saw him 14 days ago. And, but when I got in the crowd and it was Jesus the Christ that had been crucified and was buried, he was now alive. And I record or I have a record that I saw him and it was him. And, and the last one saw him on the 40th day. It was a record of it. They, they documented it. So he said that we are to be witnesses. What are we supposed to do? Well, 67% of a poll of Christians says, what is your, what is God got you on earth for? I'm, now this is, I saw this. It's a Barna, a Barna sampling. 67% of Christians said, God has put me on the earth and got me born again to enjoy myself. Two-thirds say, fun, 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 till daddy takes the T-bird away. <laughs> ah, I just like, no. But then I, then, I, then I woke up and said, but that's how people live. It's like, God's put me down here, given me He's blessed me, prospered me, healed me, delivered me to enjoy myself. Not to take what he's done for me to go to others, but just to fix me so I can have fun with more money and not feel bad. So we missed it in the church. The church is responsible because the scriptures are true. It's not like he misled us. The scriptures are true, but the church, the church, we've, 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 We've misplaced and not fully preached the gospel. Would that be right? Would y'all agree with me on that? That something in our culture has not been true. And we get it from preachers. We get it from the culture of our church, the culture of our group, whatever that is. So 67% say, God healed me so I'd have more fun, so I could... So I wouldn't hurt when I went to the lake and so that I could, you know, all that sort of stuff. I'm not putting that down so much. I'm just saying it's a sad thing that two-thirds of the, of the body of Christ is AWOL. They're not, they're not in the ranks of, of helping. So witnesses, one thing they do is they always have evidence. You got evidence? 
No, no evidence. Well, you're not a witness then. The second thing that witnesses have is that they always testify about something else. It's not about me, what I did. It's about I saw what they did. They are, it's a, it's a, it's a second, what, what would you call that, a, uh, a third-person experience. I saw that, and I'm testifying or witnessing that this is what they did, and this is what I saw them do. So uh, it's a martyring. You testify about it, and like, we don't like your witness. We're going to, we're going to, isn't that what's going on in America right now? We're witnessing the conservative side, and the, and the liberal side doesn't like that, and they're mad at the conservative side. They're mad at the Christians. They're mad at the, at the that we want to have, uh, we want to have a, a, a Christmas scene on our courthouse, and we don't, and we want to have a cross on our, we want to have the Ten Commandments. We want to have this stuff, and they're saying, we don't like your witness. And there's a controversy. There's a conflict. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. An atmosphere for miracles, for the supernatural, is produced when you fully testify, fully witness the Lord Jesus, when you fully preach Christ. So you're in your office, you're at work, you're at you're at the grocery store and somebody's, you know, got a trouble or got a issue and you somehow are in their lives by just coming up and saying, can I help you or whatever? And you become a witness of the Lord Jesus by saying, can I pray for you? You're getting involved. You're a martyr. This is, it's like, we're selling Girl Scout cookies, and if you know, if you'll buy twenty boxes, my little girl can be through selling. It's not like it's coming back to us. This kind of witnessing or this kind of martyring, as it were, is not for us. It's for them. We 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 are putting ourselves at trouble or at expense or at time or at labor for somebody else. Well, why would we do that? Why would we go out and look for people? and potentially be rejected or spurned or criticized or mocked, why would we do that? Because I'm feeling fine. My money's good. Why would I go over and try to involve myself? Well, it's, it's natural. Somebody did it for me. Somebody told me about Jesus. And I'm just grateful that I didn't just slide like so many millions just slide off into hell because no one told me. I, I could have been born again, but, but nobody told me. They just said, you know, I don't want to be involved. You might criticize me. You might reject me. So I'm not going to. But somebody told me about Jesus. Somebody paid the bills at the church. First Baptist Church Seagraves is where it happened from, well, Oklahoma Street in Florida. But anyway, the same point. Somebody paid the bills, paid the choir, paid the air conditioning, paid the, you know, someone swept, vacuumed the carpet and... Someone, you know, turned on the lights so that the atmosphere could be so Michael Billings could get born again, so Barry Smith could get saved, so, so that Kathleen could, could receive Jesus or whatever. It's a process. And so here we are. We're, we're in that culture. We're so grateful for what he's done for me. We want to go and do it. And he says, well, the way you do that is be a witness 
tell what happened to you. And if there's a miracle it needed, if they don't just say, well, I don't care what happened to you. Why, why would I care if you got so-called saved? And why would I care if you were lost and now you're found? You were blind and now you see. Well, sir, you're blind. And my Jesus can fix that. Oh, now I'm interested. I, you know, I don't believe in heaven and hell or whatever, but if you can fix this trouble, this gimpy leg or this, this, I'm interested. That affects me today. Well, watch this. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Boom. He said, be a witness. Now what? Well, I want to receive that Jesus. That's fully preaching the gospel. We're, we're pretty useless without it, I can tell you. We're pretty useless without it. I, I, the the uh, retention rate of people getting people saved is low. The Bible says in Corinthians that there is a that the ministry of condemnation has a little profit. So you can tell somebody, you know, get right or get left or, or you know, turn or burn. You can bring a hellfire and brimstone message to people, and it has a little profit. Some people get born again that way. But it's not anything like having the witness of Jesus is alive. Watch this. Get this. Be changed by this. But it is always, angels can't do it. And God doesn't do it without somebody. It's going to take somebody to do it. Somebody's hand, somebody's words, somebody's time, somebody's energy to sit down and just say, let me spend some time with you going over the scriptures and showing you where Jesus came and died for you. When you could be out playing volleyball or mowing the grass. Yeah. But somebody did it for us. So we said, I'm in. I'm so grateful. It just changed everything. So uh, interesting, you'll read in that little book that, uh, that you have, in this third section, the section on preaching Christ, it'll say this, that Chinese Christians never set out to do miracles. That's interesting. Why? They insist that miracles just happen in the course of evangelizing. That's what we're talking about here. They don't just come and say, watch this. I've got a new trick. I've got a new thing I've discovered. I can, you know, I can cast out devils. Watch this. No, they just go in there with the love of God. And whatever's needed, they just pull that out of the gospel and say, oh, you got this or you got headaches or your baby's got a fever or your husband's out of work, watch this. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Job open up. And boom, it does. You'll read in that book about uh, a, a village that uh, came to the, uh, the, the uh, what was it, the, the missionary or whatever it was in that area and said, our crops are all but burned up. Yeah. And... Uh, we're all going to perish. But if your God can bring rain, we will all believe. Y'all remember that in the book? We'll all believe. And so the little group set themselves and called on rain. It rained. And all 132 or whatever it was all came in and said, it rained. It saved us. Your God's big. Your God's right. We, we want to receive this Jesus. Boom. Boy, that just makes it a lot easier when you just got this kind of witness and this kind of preaching Christ. 
It says in second in uh, where am I? Second Corinthians. Excuse me. Whatever I told you, it's Second Corinthians, chapter two, verse seventeen. Uh, for we, oh, where am I? Maybe it is First Corinthians. You know, I took a shortcut and didn't write the scripture out. I never do that. But here it is. Well, there is no verse 17. Well, anyway, let me just read you what it says. Um, it's, uh, Ye are our epistles, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. So, uh, seems like that's in Peter. Ye are our epistle. No, it's not. Anyway, the point is, Paul said to his group that he had raised up, he said, an, an epistle is a letter. It's a written document. He said, uh, how are people going to find out about Jesus? He said, they're going to read your lives. They're going to look at you and say, wow, you know, those Jesus people, their crops do good. It rains on them and they don't have worms. And, and uh, the, the plague that came into town, they all were, they're going to read the gospel by looking at you. Did you all find that scripture? 2 Corinthians 3.17. There it is. No. No, that's not it. But uh, Oh, it's verse 2. You're right there. Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Thank you, Garland. 2 Corinthians 3, 2. Ye are our epistles, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. He said, we, we, we didn't give you a book. We gave you the gospel and it's written in your lives and you are a demonstration that other people look at and listen to and see and they see Jesus in your life. I promise you if you talk the talk and don't walk the walk, people will not believe you. You gotta you gotta outlast their criticism by just being steady. You just can't cuss when everybody's cussing, even though you know, you feel like it or used to. You just can't. You, you have to be honest. Everybody's taking paper clips home from the office, but you, your paper clips are not being going home. You, you got to walk the walk. Is that right? Because you're an epistle that is being people. I wrote in my little book, my little uh, uh, faith enhancers, promotion enhancers. Everybody's looking. Everybody's watching you. Somebody's watching you all the time. We're pretty amazed that Colin and Eric heard things that we talked about that they were over there playing or over there working everything, weren't even around. So David and I would, in West Texas, we, we would talk about church members or our situation or whatever, and if they were not paying attention, they heard everything. Colin told us one time, I listened very carefully. And boy, he does. And we just like, it cost us a lot to talk about our, because we would work, we would talk about a situation with somebody and then uh, they'd hear it and they'd get all lathered up, you know, are they going to leave? Are they going to hurt us or whatever? Then we'd work it out. We'd, you know, we'd pray and we'd get, we'd meet with them, but they never heard that part. So they were always just hearing the bad news, the trouble, the challenge, but didn't ever get the good news. So, um, uh, People are watching you. 
You're a witness, even when nobody's talking to you. In Acts chapter 8, let's get this going here. Acts chapter 8. I believe y'all are getting what I'm trying to say here. And you know this, but just because you know it doesn't mean that it's wrong to stir up and to be refreshed in the gospel and to hear things again. It says in verse uh, 3, chapter 8 of Acts 3, as for Saul, now this is the Saul before Paul when he was uh, persecuting the church. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women committing them, committed and, and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. See what the devil meant for evil. God turned it. He, everybody got out of town and preached the gospel. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing, listen, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Fully preaching Christ. Didn't just preach. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed, and there was great joy in that city. That's fully preaching Christ. Miracles follow. Miracles inhabit the atmosphere where you preach Christ. Now, preaching Christ isn't that... Now you you hell you hell fire people that are going to hell and you you sorry no good rascals you know God's held out a little crumb and a little a little water for your parched tongue and you there's a chance for you to go to no it's like you got palsies you got God's going to heal you and He does in Romans chapter fifteen no we've already done that verse Acts chapter five let's slip slip back to Acts chapter five. Look in verse uh, 42. That's, yeah, there it is. And daily in the temple and, every, and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Christ Jesus. So it's everywhere. It's not just the church. Well, come to my church and my preacher, he'll, he'll tell you about Jesus you can, you can hear about him. No, that's not how it works. You get them, you get, here's the model. The New Testament model is you get them saved in the highways and hedges, and then you bring them to church to get discipled. We do not have a model here where you bring them to get saved. Now, they'll hear the gospel here, and, you know, if someone comes in that's not saved, they will hear the gospel, and they can get saved, and we'll throw the net for them. But we're not week after week after week after week just throwing that and never feeding the, the saints. We've got to feed the saints. We've got to stir up. We've got to keep the victory here. We can't just say, well, we're all just going to uh, throw the net in church. No, you throw the net at Coral and at Mercedes and wherever you are. You throw the net, get them born again, because that's who they believe. They believe who they've been watching and listening to and witnessing. They believe you. They don't believe me. They just, the only way they'll believe me is if I cast them into hell and then pull them out. 
I build a, I build a, an inferno scenario and get them, make them where their liver quivers, and they just like, ah, oh, I can't stand to go to hell. Yes, I'll say yes to Jesus. Well, that doesn't last. Because when they leave, you know the next day they wake up and go, you know, I don't feel like that was. But they'll believe you week in and week out being a demonstration. And you tell them about your little boy that broke his arm, but then God healed it. And you tell them about, you know, the things that God's done for you, then they want that. And after they get born again with you, well, can I pray for you? Look, you know, yeah, pray for me. Well, Lord Jesus, come into his life. Come into Leroy's life and save him. You're saved. You're born again. You're filled with God. Well, what do I do now? Well, you've got to learn what's, what this life's about. Come to church. Well, that's where I'm learning it. Come to church, and we'll learn about how to live our life a victorious life. That is the New Testament model. Now, I'm not mocking the Baptists and the Methodists and all that, because they get a lot of people born again. My mother was telling me, They've got a new pastor in their Baptist church and said his main emphasis is causing quite a stir is that he's challenging their born again, their new birth experience. Because lots of Baptists, because I was in it, you know, they sing that just as I am without one plea, but that Christ died for me. And they get people emotional, get them all lathered up, and they come down there and, and you know, what do you want to do? Well, I, I don't want to go to hell. And so, well... Pray this prayer. You know, they're, they're emotional, so the emotion's in their soul, and so they pray their prayer, that prayer out of their soul. Instead of saying, God, I am a sinner. I am lost. I am forsaken. But anyway, he's this pastor's challenging them. Are you sure you're born again? Well, sure, I've been a member for years, and sure, Mama's buried out back, and sure... Uh, I believe in God, you know, all that stuff that doesn't, you're not born again until you're born again. And he's challenging them to make sure they are born again. Because you know a lot of people are not going to go where they think they're going. I buried my uncle this, 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 I went to Texas Friday, Thursday, and buried uncle. And, you know, they all, they all, they all said, well, Uncle Tom said he knew where he was going. But he was Methodist. I don't know that he knows what the criteria. He lived a good life. Let's just say he didn't live a criminal life. <laughs> good meaning he didn't, you know, he didn't set fire to anybody, and he didn't. You just don't know. Uh, last scriptures, First Corinthians two. Let's just hit that one. Creating an atmosphere for miracles. I like what the Chinese believe. They just insist that miracles happen in the course of evangelizing. So you go after somebody and God will back you up whatever they need. Chapter 2, verse 1. Brethren, Paul tells the, cor the carnal church at Corinth, he tells them, Brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. So right there, right there, y'all. You can go into your workplace or your wherever you are, and you could say, oh, God, I can't do it because the preacher, he can do this and he can do that, but I, I don't know many scriptures, and I don't know, you know how it all fits, and I'm not, I stumble and stutter. He said, they are not after eloquent preaching. They're not after a slick presentation that's all tied together and wrapped up a lot. 
They're, they're after your witness. Have you been with Jesus? Everybody can tell. Everybody can tell if you've been with Jesus. If you're a wannabe or if you don't know a lot of Scripture, don't know a lot of theology, don't really know about the mark of the beast and, you know, where the false prophet, you know, was born and raised. <laughs> you really don't know if it's Syria or if it's Armageddon. You don't know much about all of that, but you just know I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now you know that. And when you tell somebody, yeah, I was just like you. I was just like you. I didn't have a clue. I just didn't understand. And Jesus came into my life, and now I'm a happy camper, and I, my money's right, and my family's together now, and my kids. You tell them your story. And that's what people want to know. They don't want to hear the preacher say, you sorry, no good, filthy rags. You need to get saved. That's not what, that's not what saves people, is hearing your story, not my story. Um, back to this. It says, I determined, excuse me, declaring unto you the testimony of God. The word there is actually the mystery of God. So, brethren, I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you, but declaring unto you the secret, the mystery of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. When I was in the church... How we got farmers, and that's what mostly I was raised around, we would, we would invite them to our 42 parties. We'd play dominoes, and we would have supper, hoping that they would, look, look here's how we thought. We were, we were all queued up. So they'll see that we're normal, that Christians can be normal. We were amazingly normal. <laughs> we were no different than them. We were as carnal and as as failed and as weak as everyone we were trying to get to come eat our hamburger helper and play dominoes. We had nothing powerful. Dominoes, really? Uh, really? Oh my. I understand. I'm not criticizing that. I'm just I'm just saying we're going to change our ways. We're not going to do that. Um, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but look, 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 my speech and my preaching was in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Why Paul, that your faith should not stand or exist in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's it right there. You don't have to be eloquent. I, you'd be surprised if you were. Some people are, and maybe they got a call, but maybe they're just, just eloquent. But you got to have a witness and fully preach him. Don't just preach. Get right or get left. Turn or burn. You preach. Jesus is the answer to whatever problem you're facing. Well, this is serious. The doctor says, and the banker says, and the, the, the bill collector says this. He's the answer. Turn your life over to him, because I did. That's what you tell him. I, turn, I had bills, and I had troubles, and I had my marriage, and my kids were... But I turned it over to Jesus. A long time ago, we used to say this, and we're going to start saying it. The good news is, the bad news was wrong. 
That's what we, that's our message. The good news is, what's the good news, pastor? The bad news was wrong. Can't pay my bills. Well, that's bad news. It's wrong. You can pay your bills. You just got to change your source. Well, all my life I've had this gimpy leg or this chronic thing or this, that's bad news. The bad news is wrong. Jesus has come. He is the good news. Amen. Y'all, we're powerful. We're so powerful. It's almost scary how powerful we are. The devil is scared of us if we ever find out who we are in him and how powerful we are. Just lay your hands on somebody and tell them to be healed and just, just don't be responsible. I don't mean be irresponsible, but I mean you're not the healer. Let him heal them and just step back and let him do it. A lot of times we don't get results because we take it personally if they didn't get healed. It's hard to get Christians healed. Harder to get Christians healed than the, than the lost. Christians take it as a, as a uh, judgment on their life. Well, God didn't heal me. He probably wouldn't heal me. Well, that's what the lost say. But, you know, God wouldn't heal me. Or if he didn't heal me, it's because of something else. Ah, pay no attention to them. Amen. Lord, we thank you today for the word. You stirred us. You've uh, convicted us. I, I, I declare, Lord, there's a conviction of Holy Spirit to line up what's crooked and to make straight what's not. Lord, we can do what you called us to do. So we ask you to open up the harvest fields to our eyes. So we see the one, just the one that's really looking to us and looking for us. Lord, we become available to him. I give you thanks, Lord. This gospel, when it's fully preached, is the most powerful thing on earth. We give you praise, Lord, that an atmosphere for miracles is coming into River Church in a greater dimension, a greater level. And Lord, you will back up your word. And we call Tuscaloosa saved. We call Tuscaloosa a move of God in our city and in Alabama, a move of God in Alabama. We, we ask for it, and we ask you to give it to us. And Lord, in our faith, we'll give you back Tuscaloosa and Alabama, a true treasure for the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to receive our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. We just determined this morning...